This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Roman came and had a few harsh meetings with us in those few years when he was more present. And this was translated, which makes it even harsher. You know, the Russian translated. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, you're waiting for the translation going, it's not going to be good, you know what I mean? I'm literally sat next to Ash in the dressing room for England for six, seven, eight years. Ash comes up to me screaming in my face mm. after they score the first goal. You were talking about the timing into the mm. box and I was like, wow, this is incredible, especially for me as a midfielder. Probably should have followed you more than him. I got, <laughs> got sent off a lot. When I think of management, I only think of myself being successful. I don't even think of myself losing a game. And I do some any given Sunday speeches. You said that you want to get back into the game, haven't you, in terms of the yeah, last 12 months? But I'm are you still with that? that? Listen to Franco, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love them toffee uh, popcorn. I'm a great love of that. Toffee popcorn, honestly. I did the raspberry ones. No? Who, who got the chocolate? Is there a bit of raspberry? I did a raspberry. Are they? I'm going to have one now. Confirmed Thank raspberry. You. I've Thank been you. confirmed. It's been confirmed that they are raspberry mini rolls. <laughs> <laughs> have you still got the pub, Frank, by the way? Yeah, I have, yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful, that pub. Yeah. Got a little old pub. You own the building, don't you? No, I just want to let me... Honestly, <laughs> if, 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 you know what? I don't worry about a pension. <laughs> 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 What's that? What's the pension? Go to the pub. It's pub in London. It's down a little street, like, with Georgian houses. And it's, got, it's a beautiful little pub on the corner. I'm sharing, I'm sharing is What's it called? No, the Chelsea? Chelsea Pig. The Chelsea yeah. Pig is called. So it was always yeah. called, and you just bought it's it? Called the, it's called the Pigs, yeah. And uh, I used to go in there a little bit, and it came up. My dad, to be fair. Yeah, your dad, you say dad used to go in there, didn't it? Yeah. If you need more tea... Thank you. Yeah. You used to look like it. You've got to start warm at the football match. Yeah. Are you sponsored by him? Stone Island. No, but I just, I just something, it's a long, I just like it. It's just, it, 
Yeah, but it's a nice sort of white, white. If Pep wears it, he's cool. If Pep wears it, he's cool. I wear it. I'm a football hooligan, Jill. You know what I mean? You do look like my 15-year-old nephew right now. Chill, you. It's a bit very aggressive today. But I take it off and put my t-shirt on. Am I losing my confidence? How often does this man lose his confidence? Do you want me to change it? I'll change it. If you can change it, that'd be amazing. What's that? Change what? Be eternally grateful. What for? Oh, he's pulling the neck. It wasn't that great anyway. I was going to message you, because, you know, after you were saying about my car, right? Your G-Wag, innit? you? So I broke down on Christmas Day for four hours in the car, and I was going to actually text you. Where were you driving for four hours? I was going up to... No, I was on the side of the motorway for four hours. I was going up to Sunderland. To a dinner. There must have been a dinner on an award. Well, just my family did. No, it was Christmas Day. Christmas Day. But why you just leave your car and get an Uber or something and get away? All the way... What? On the side of the road. I would sit literally on the hard shoulder for four hours. You can't just leave your car on a bloody motorway. Are you not allowed to leave your car on the motorway on Christmas Day? No, I don't think so. But this highway motorway The weeds would have been gone when you got back. ...turned up, like, to help us. And then they were like, oh, is any of you, like, ill in the car or anything? I was like, no. And then they started just <laughs> pretending. So the left... They were like, sorry, we can't help lefters. Come back an hour later, and I thought, oh, they've thought Christmas Day, they're going to help us. When my daughter plays football, would you mind just signing this thing? Signed it and then pissed off. What, never shorted the nose? No, just lefters. Righty. He walks in, doesn't have to show his lanyard, just walks in, Jamie Carragher, Liverpool. It is Anfield. Right, make, makes sense, right. But they know who I am as well. They know I'm not going to turn up at Liverpool to, like, without a land. So, literally, can we, see your, can we see your pass, please? You've not asked for his pass. Yeah, but, girl, you can't... You've not asked for his pass. Why have you asked my pass? Girl, you can't give it a big one. I'm not giving it a big one. You did, because, like, you didn't show him your pass. It's no, his job to he see He doesn't have to show his pass, but I do. Yeah, he's, yeah it's Anfield, it's Jamie Carragher. Quality. Yeah, but you're Man United. They could do that just to wind you up. I thought it worked as well by the looks of things. Is that your first one? Is that your second, second one? I've gone now. I mean. I can feel I'm in. Nice, <laughs> yeah, it's so nice. You feel bad, though, when it's this time of the day? No. No? Mm -mm. Not at all. Should we get over there? Ian, I like the tank top. Well, I'm, thanks, girl. You've still Labrum. got a bowler neck on. No, this is the roll neck, but I don't need... Yeah, well, the mic couldn't fit on that. Why, or the mic? The mic couldn't fit on it. So I wore something that can, you know, can accommodate the microphone. Gee, don't nice. you, which is still amazing. It just happens. Looks good. Thank you. Must be midnight now, is it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 Welcome to Stick to Football, brought to you by Skybet. And joining us this week is the Chelsea and England legend, Frank Lampard. What have you been doing for the last few months? Obviously, you were at Chelsea at the end of last season, but what have you been doing since then? Uh, enjoying a bit of time out, actually. Uh, trying to be a good dad. Uh, good How's that working out? Frank? Yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of right. No, it's kind of right. No, I suppose it's one of the uh, it's one of the, the pitfalls of management. Obviously, is when you're out of the game because you, you want to work, but you've got to appreciate. I've certainly learned appreciation over the last few years. I've been managing for what for four or five years now. Um, the year at Everton, I was up close to here actually, away from the family a lot. Probably didn't realise until I came home what I'd missed because my boy was like a year of age at that point. My daughter's three or four now. They're five and two. And um, spending time with him has been a, been a great thing for me. Because even when you're managing, you're present, but you're not so many times. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I've really appreciated that. A few other bits outside that I've always done. Sort of, when you're unemployed as such, like full-time employment, everyone thinks you're available every day. So it's yeah. like, do you want to go for lunch? Do you want to do this? <laughs> and I just like being at home a lot, if I'm honest. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just being happy out of the game and uh, watching a lot of football, doing all those things. 
has it changed your perspective on anything in terms of whether you want to go back into management or whether you think, no, actually, now I'd like to do something different? No, it hasn't. I enjoy it. And that's, you know, if you ask me in the heat of a moment in, in management, I think it's probably the biggest highs and lows you can have in the game, especially from comparing it to a player, because I think you take so much more responsibility. So when you're working, sometimes you'll have moments where you're so high, back of yeah. a good result, or you're low because you, you've got problems, you've got issues, you're trying to get results, wherever it is. But I think when you come out of it, I think... Um, Probably the best thing I think about experience for me as a manager is not that you, know, you get better tactically, you might find different ways you want to play. But I think it's learning as a manager to deal with those parts of the game. Learning to not be, I think young managers can be really intense on yourself. Yeah. Mm. Every result that goes the wrong way, you're searching yourself. You can end up putting a lot more pressure on yourself. Yeah. So I think there's any balance I've found, it's like I want to work again. And what, what little bits can I do better maybe for myself to, yeah. to handle the, the, the obvious roller coaster that it can sometimes be. I mean, I had that, to be fair, for a brief time and I was well out of my depth and didn't particularly want to do the job. But I, I was struggling towards the end. Have you had moments like that in the last sort of 12 months where you've sort of had them difficult challenges, obviously, at Chelsea and the season in Everton, where you've looked in the mirror in the morning and you thought, you yeah, um, coming on top a little bit. I think at Everton, was, it felt a bit like that in the end. And it was probably searching for results. It's always your job, coaching, trying to pick the right team, whatever, keep the squad happy. But Everton, in the end, there were a lot of issues in and around it. You try not to get too waylaid by them because you can't affect it too much, really. But we all know that there was an issue with the fans and the board at the time. And all those, I was on the phone a lot in the evening trying to connect with owner, chairman, yeah. everyone else, CEO, you know, and then go in and do the day job the next day. So I think at that time, I definitely found it an intense end period. I didn't find Chelsea as difficult personally because I knew it was finite. It was going to be six, seven weeks. Um, I learned very quickly in my head what the issues were there um, and they were not my issues to solve long term. I don't want to sound like I palmed them off. Mm. It's just you want results, but at the same time, if you go into a place where you go, there's a lot of problems here. Can I turn it around in nine games when motivation has just gone down? Yeah. Uh, and I actually came to peace with that a little bit. I wanted to win games because it's my own reputation at the same time. But at the same time, I wasn't so bad there. Probably at the end of Everton would be the biggest spell. Where, and you know what? It's a, it's a challenge sounds a bit corny it makes you a better person better coach probably after because yeah. you maybe learn next time that you know what all those phone calls I had maybe I didn't need to get so involved in them you have to be respectful to speak to your owner and stuff but. those phone calls were they with the ownership and the problems that they're having related to what's happening now or were they related to the sort of if you like the fact that they couldn't come to the games and the sort of disagreement with the fans what you know with the FFP things that are going on now mm. that was that was all obviously happening when you were there mm. what, what what were those phone calls I about? think some of a bit of everything some of it definitely was about the uh, the fans and the and the, and the board and I, and I felt for the board it's not easy to speak about when you're in it you have to put on a, a media face as a coach and sometimes you don't want to go against the fans you don't want to get your own board you go against yeah. your own board that can be fatal for you job but at the same time I had, I had a lot of feeling for people like the chairman has obviously passed away mm. Bill Kenwright was, was gr a great support to me through the time really opinionated loved the club yeah. as Mr Everton and uh, had a lot of um, you end up very sensitive to the fact that this man can't come to games mm. you know you can have opinion on all the details but this man's given his life to this club yeah. um, Denise uh, my CEO was incredible yeah. was trying to really put in a football plan but at the same time we got to the point probably we were struggling for results a bit come January after the World Cup and the break in the season. Um, and one of the problems I found at Everton was that uh, we were trying to work a football plan. Kevin Thelwell came in, uh, sporting director, Denise, it was like football plan recruitment, what are we working towards? Um, so we're working towards it. The minute January came in, 
it was like it was like the Wild West and agents and everyone and what's the what's the you know what's it going to be? Who can we bring in? Yeah. We were struggling to be able to to spend money anyway because of the FFP situation. Yeah. I desperately wanted to bring in some players, and in the end, even after I left, I think it was another week. Sean came in at the back end, couldn't really make any moves anyway. Anthony Gordon left the club. But there was, so there was a lot of tension at the club through that. And I think it had been a build-up. You'll know it well, Kerr, as well, but it would have been a build-up over a few years. I felt it from the minute I came in uh, until the minute I left. It was almost like we're in a bit of a crisis, but there's going to be another crisis. Uh, that was quite difficult. I think we managed it when we stayed up that year. Quite a lot of the thing, which let's build confidence and feeling. And I think we managed to get over the line with that. Um, but in the second season, towards the end, it was challenging. Where was Mashir in all this, Frank? So you mentioned obviously Denise and you mentioned Bill yeah. Kemrat, but Mashir is the ultimate owner. Where was yeah. he in all that? More, more remote in terms of not being present, which, I, which is fine. I worked with Roman Abramovich for years. He wasn't present. We won a lot of things. He doesn't have to be present. So it'd be more on the phone, having okay. conversations. But I think the, the joined up nature of the club, which would, should have been, I think, a reason for... Was it some, joined up though? No, yeah. it, it, it wasn't. And you could then see why in the last five years had spent a lot of money in recruitment yeah. and it hadn't been joined up and that came to roost a bit now and we're seeing obviously the aftermath of that now. I think being in the city and, and sort of having you know a few little links to to Everton there was there was definitely that divide on the board and it's probably almost why the board sort of finished it was almost machinery was on one side and Bill Kenwright and Denise Barrett-Baxendale sort of on the other and I always had the feeling I don't know if, if you felt the same when uh, Denise and, and Bill Kenwright and other people couldn't go with the game and people were asking them to resign. Mm -hmm. Why are you still at the club? Why have you not resigned? Was the feeling that almost they needed to be there to almost somehow try and keep in check Mashir because he could, when you're talking about the Wild West and agents coming around, did they, was that that feeling of yours that they were almost, almost staying to actually, if we leave him to his own devices, things could actually get worse? I think there would have been a bit of that in terms of there was definitely a di different strategy from the owner to what the chairman's idea was about it and to what Denise's was. Uh, I think some of it would have been their own, um, I don't know, determination to see it through. I think the chairman was a tough man. He was a strong man, do you know what I mean? As I say, he was very caring with me and I went to his memorial recently and the amount of people that spoke for him, spoke, and I, I liked it in terms of how they were speaking because it's what I sense from him. You know, it can challenge you a lot. Denise was working everything to get this stadium over the line, which I think is going to change the club going forward, hopefully, and working with us to try and get... So I think they were, they were working their own way, as you say, in a, in a direction on the ground much more. Denise, particularly for me, at the training ground, always trying to work forward, always trying to do problems. And so we got a few players over the line um, in the previous window, which absolutely Denise was scraping and trying to do everything, communicating with the Premier League because we were in, you know, on a tight line. So I think they were just probably doing their job. And I, and I understand why it would have hurt them deep down being Evertonians, that they couldn't go to games. Had mistakes been made from different people? Of course they had been made. But I think there was a gen genuine good nature to them in wanting to try and keep the club in the league, try and keep moving forward. I, I was a few then because, you know, the FFP thing has just sort of dropped. Obviously, Everton have been docked 10 points. They've been, or, you know, charged again. I mean, what was it like for you in terms of, OK, you're looking for players. And when you talk about Denise was talking to the Premier League, mm. I mean, at any stage did the Premier League say, you can't buy this player or you've only got so much to spend? I mean, how, how, how did it work? Yeah, there were a lot of details to that. And obviously, when Richardson left the club, we, we all knew it was coming. Um, because it, had to, because it had to happen, so he left the club. It gave us a little bit of wriggle room to try and bring in some players there because my view on it at the back end of the season was that we'd stayed up, but the squad needed a lot of work. And it wasn't just the idea of bringing players in, it was the idea of getting players to move on. 
Now, some of those players were probably, you know, an age in their career, would sign long contracts. We're not going to go anywhere. The practical nature of any football club is sometimes you're then a little bit hamstrung by that. As, as I say, at that point, intentions were great of trying to bring players in. But the reality was, I think, we were never really going to do it. The Everton supporters are obviously uh, you know, fighting for the club in terms of the 10-point deduction and sort of attacking the Premier League, if you like. But, you know, those discussions were, were the amicable with the Premier League. Was it almost a feeling that you were working together or they were sort of stopping you doing things going forward? I, I was never really privy to them, so I would only get you know, feedback off the back of it. So I think, there was a, I think they were amicable to a point. But they were they were clear lines of what you could do at that stage. Is it like frustrating as a manager because you've got all this stuff going on and really you just want to manage and coach your team, don't you? Like, did you do a lot of on the field coaching or did you feel like that's what you wanted to do? But there seems so much going on for managers that they don't get to just focus on the team sometimes. Yeah, well, you got to be wary of that because there's not much you can't do. And in terms of recruitment now, the modern manager is not the old school manager who's travelling up and down the country watching mm. players to bring in. You have to leave that passed over to recruitment and the idea of what the club you have those conversations and you go right what is my job so when, I don't want to sound here now like I'm making a big smoke screen of what that back period back end period was like it was like that my main job was always to coach the team and and I am a coach when I work I want to be on the team with mm -hmm. them setting up game plan who we got next week what's that going to look like and when you're going through a tough time you know sometimes you go next game's Brighton, then it's Man City, then it's Sansa. And you go, how are we going to work around that? So absolutely, all my, you know, the big part of my priority and focus at that point was coaching the team as it always mm -hmm. is. And then, you know, dealing with all those other bits, something you've got to try and be able to handle. I mean, I can handle it. I, don't want, I definitely don't want to sound like a baby or making excuses here because the real reason you leave the job is because you don't get results in that period. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Regardless of the two or three hours you might have on the phone at night, you've got to find a way to prioritise coaching that's what you want to do Lamps, with, with um, the fact that you're born into the game you know it's all you've known since you were growing up where where's the enjoyment in in the management for you where where where, what you, where do you get that something Frank because like listening to this now it sounds it sounds like everything apart from actually getting enjoyment and doing something that you you love which I know you do love but where's the enjoyment well um, did you get any even with the wins could you could you even reflect and be happy for any time yeah yeah I could be definitely and if I look back through my career um I've had in managing managing career I've had big wins that have probably given me more fulfillment than any of my playing days unfortunately enough you know I won stuff with my mm -hmm. playing days whether it was because of Drogba or me or John Terry I was in a great squad you know great setup so but when you are the manager the feel of responsibility of I know getting Derby to the playoff final mm. you beat Leeds who are probably a better team now. you feel a, bit, a big sense of right. and, and keeping Everton up in, in, in the league I mean that's an enjoyment like that night because of living in the city and starting to buy into it and the Evertonians were so desperate to stay up being a bit of a head figure as yeah. such in that moment is massive enjoyment and then you do get the day-to-day -day working with young players and you go to Chelsea you, you feel linked and proud of Reese James, yeah. or Mason Mount, or yeah. Tammy Abraham, players that go on to do good things. You don't take the credit for it, but no. you enjoy the day-to-day, -day. did I give some information, did I give them an opportunity? Right. So there, there are loads of things. I definitely don't want to sound like, you've just asked me about that end period at Everton, so mm -hmm. focus on that. In the other parts, loads of other parts of my management, people will always want to, can always make a big W, left that club, that was a bad ending. 
but at the same time, I can look at the jobs I've had and go, at Derby, yeah, we, we had a good run. We actually got the club together. We got to a playoff final. Okay, we didn't make it through that. Chelsea, you won. We got to the Champions League and we, and we brought in some players saying we because of the staff and everyone that works together. So there are, there are loads of good moments. Mm. And you, you do have to get a balance to it. You can't think I'm going to go and win everything. Yeah. Every manager's got relative success. success. You know, Pep wins most years. He's a brilliant manager. Mm. We've got fantastic players. The rest of us are looking for relative success, whatever that is. Roy, where are you on that? I mean, you obviously have said, obviously Frank just said he wants to get back into the game and you said that you want to get back into the game, haven't you, in terms of the yeah, last but 12 months? But I'm are you still on that? that. Listen to Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about this. I'm sorry about this. I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to be more upbeat. You just ended Roy Keane's managerial career. Sorry, sorry Roy. I appreciate it. Sorry, Roy. No, it is. No, it is. Do you want to get back in? Are you serious I you want to get back so, in but it's got to be, can I go back to it? Not, not that you're going to get the Real Madrid job, but it's got to be the right challenge. It's got to be the right club. It's got to be the right contract. It's can you bring your staff and I, I discuss this all the time I have had opportunities but sometimes you get offered a contract I go back to do I look at it if I do get offered stuff a bit of self-worth you know is the deal right for you whatever I'd like to go back in but I'm not mm. desperate when I sign any contract for anybody but but even your, your experience Frank, remember, all, all them are experiences that will definitely will make you a better manager yeah. as you said the off the field stuff dealing with board members that is that is tough. That is that can sap your energy when you, and, you and maybe some clubs there's a crisis. There's always a crisis in there, yeah. and maybe Everton will be one of them for the next few years. You know, fighting relegation, dealing with boards, and at a club unless you're at a really well-run club, there are those challenges off the pitch. If it was just about going and working with a team, it'd be it, great. It's one of the things why you want to go back into management is that so people talk about the day-to-day and it, you know gives you something to do. I mean, for me, I always think about you with the island job. You know, whether that would work for you, obviously that wouldn't be day to day. But would that be something that yeah, really something. Yeah, something. International football. I enjoyed it when I was a coach there for a while. I like the dynamics of it. Again, where you're not in every day and it's not about bringing players in and I suppose dealing with the board every week or whatever it might be and the academy. Yeah, that does appeal. I did enjoy the dynamics when I was coaching with Martin with the Irish team. Yeah, but then we had a little bit of success and you look back and when you've had a little bit of success, then it's brilliant. But obviously there's disappointment. So yeah, that would be... Uh, that could be an option, Jim. Oh! We got it out of him. We got there in the end. See the headline. He's keen. He's keen. Nice one, Jill. I'm Jill Scott. Go on, Gal. What are you going to say? The last question on Everton. You mentioned, I think, earlier on about Mashiri's strategy, and you said that obviously the what Denise and Bill Kemrat were trying to defend what was going on. But what is what is the strategy of Mashiri at the club? Because a lot of Everton fans probably wouldn't know. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure about that. Mm. Um, I'm not saying that too loosely um, because I came into it probably, I don't know, four or five years it had been there before I got in there. But, you, you know, you, you could see that it had been uh, what, four managers, uh, Marco Silva, Roberto Martinez, uh, Carlo Ancelotti, uh, Benitez, Big Sam, sorry. So re- really, managers, you know, yeah. higher level managers when you go through that, Champions League winners, etc. And I came in and you could see with the squad, that in terms of the squad, there wasn't a strategy. And that, this happens at football clubs. You know, new managers come in and want to go a different way. So, but if you can have a bit of a strategy of what you want to be, I wasn't sure what it was because we were having conversations about, Frank, what do you want, how do you want to coach a team? Now I've got an idea. You go, OK, I want to do that. I go, but we're going to have to recruit a bit for that because mm-hmm. I can't make you know, this team exactly what I want it to be now, yeah. which is probably why at the end of my time, when we stayed up, we went to a back five and we were really compact. We engaged the fans. Mm-hmm. We got up the pitch. Anthony Gordon yeah. was flying at that time and we got some pace in the team um, and we fought our way out of trouble to it. And it was great for me. Like the, the idea of having an experience when you're in a tough moment, you, get, you become a better coach. Mm-hmm. 
But in terms of what the club idea was at that point, no. And, and, and again, I, I don't want to sound like this is making a, a real negative on uh, Mishiri or the big decision makers over those years, because I'm sure they did it because they brought Everton to make it into a fantastic club that was a success. Yeah. Who, who wouldn't do that? You'd be crazy not to. It's just maybe when you were... I, I worked at Man City for a year at the back end of my career, and I went into a... A structure. I was a player. So you don't know everything, but you look at it and go, this place is going to go places because mm -hmm. there's a vision and they're going to go away. And then Pep Guardiola comes a year later or whatever. But when you lose a couple of games, it's not like, oh, what are we going to do now? Sack that, change that. It was almost like it's going to go and it's going to go. And obviously at Everton, it hadn't, it hadn't had that for whatever reason. But you were smart. Sorry, you were smart. When you went in first, Frank, obviously I'd listened to you and I'd watched some of the first few games. And you, no doubt you were trying to play a kind of an open game and that's what you used to in your career. But the penny, at least the penny dropped for you when you first went in going, Listen, lads, we need to mm. we need to shut up shop here. Yeah. We need to play a certain way, and that's management, isn't it? Because yeah. people talk about what's your philosophy, what, what's mm. your plan. We all have great plans until you walk in the door, and then you see a certain group yeah. of players. You go, listen, we're short here. There's lack of confidence. Everything have to stay up. Mm. That is the priority. So it's about results. So that's to me, that's what management is about. So yeah, yeah. 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 I, I found as well that the, the, the easier part of that is mm. for me was that when I went in, it was written all over the faces of the players. So I tried to, to go in and go, right, we're going to be a bit, not expansive is the wrong word, but, you know, we're going to play a bit. Play, and yeah. the idea, we beat Brentford in the cup in the first game. Then we lost a couple of games on the road. Then we beat Leeds well at home. And we were pressing and it was like 4-3-3-ish, a bit 4-4-2, but we were doing everything we wanted to do. And then we went and got spanked in a few games away from home. And I could see that the players, it wasn't a big ask to say, you know what, lads, we're going to protect here now. Yeah. And we're going to have five at the back. And then we did get some results with it. And we had the Goodison thing, because in that time for me, we were, we were beating Man United at Goodison, we beat Chelsea at Goodison, and, and the crowd were rallying behind us, and it was giving the players you know, a massive lease of life. So it was, uh, we, we got over the line, it was a really interesting coaching situation for me. I learned, learned a lot on that front, and, and I've got to say the elation of staying up was definitely one of the- Was coaching about just tucking, lads? <laughs> tucking, <laughs> let's sit in, yeah, go along. But, yeah. but you know, but it, it, but it, and it, that Everton, it worked at the time, and it kind of, sometimes that type of play does suit Everton, doesn't it? I think it does, yeah. Yeah. Coleman, a good character for you, Seamus. Yeah, Seamus was amazing. Cool guy, yeah. So in the first hour I sat with him, so now I messaged him the other day because he made his, was it 15 years ago? That was him. incredible, that. It's, it's amazing. Incredible. And what a player as well, by the way. I remember him playing against him and I didn't really appreciate it until I went and worked with him because at that point he's 33. But it wasn't just what he did on the pitch, it's what yeah, he did off the pitch. Yeah. His standards, his, his humility, um, everything about Proper team player, isn't he? Uh, honestly, like, you know, family man, but there's, no, there's not a bit of him that's not genuine. And he, and he wore it on his face when we were struggling. It was like, I really care about this. You want to say to the other players, but he'd speak in front of the players on his own. Remember, we spoke about you once, I think, we, Monday Night Football, and you'd had a dig at, you'd had a dig at the, <laughs> the players, so they're not good enough or whatever. And he used you as a reference point. And he went, I was watching Monday Night Football last night. And did you watch it? To all the players. <laughs> yeah, all the players. Probably 90% put it on. And he went, and Jamie Carragher said this. And it wasn't necessarily a dig at you. He was probably using it in a smart way. It was basically going, don't accept that. Do you know what I mean? As players and as managers, we, we have to take some stick. Do you know what I mean? But the only way to do it is to re react to it. Mm. And it was, it was a bit of a turning point for us. I can't remember the exact moment of it, but, but he was always the man to do that. So. You never thought seems thought a bit funny with me on the last game of the season. <laughs> 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 I never thought you'd be motivating Everton. That's most Premier League dressing rooms on a Tuesday morning, that, yeah. to be honest with you. <laughs> See what he said? I'm just listening. I'm thinking to myself, I can't. I'm still trying to find a joy. I don't know. If I, I'm I, a little I, bit the same. I, yeah, because when I, when I think of management, I only think of myself being successful. I don't even think of myself losing a game. <laughs> Honestly, Frank, I don't even think so I'm thinking, well, I watch people, watch some things and I think, wow, I wish, yeah, if I went in there and I'd do some any given Sunday speeches and I'd get the lads going and we'll play great stuff. But then I've not heard anybody 
Tell me about the well, joy of I, it. I, I had this conversation, I don't, you might remember this, about 10 years ago, the first time I ever did punditry, we worked together on ITV, I think in the Euros 2012, and Gareth Southgate was on the panel, and Roberto Martinez. And uh, so th three managers, or I had to go management, and I, I, I was still... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two really good managers, yeah. Cheers, cheers. And when we were going to the bar after the show, I think Gordon Strachan was there as well. Yes. And everyone was talking about sort of the problems and mm. this. And I, and I said to you, I said to you, why did you do it? And mm. you said, I remember you saying to me, you said, being a manager like a night out. You know, you're having a night out on the second, you go up Sunday morning, you go, never again. <laughs> and then you get to Friday, you put your gear on. And that's the type of thing. Yeah. Just like, I, I don't see that much. Yeah. Do you not miss being on the grass, though? Like, now... Oh, you know what? I hate that saying. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean what you think you're going to do. Get on the grass. <laughs> Just back from Thailand. Right? <laughs> No, but I do. Get on I the miss grass. It. I don't know. Just I, I want to go into coaching. No, I don't miss. Stand it. I don't miss. You know? I don't. No, I can't people stand always it. say, "Oh, miss the dressing room." I don't. But not even just kicking a ball about. <laughs> no. Oh no. No, 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 no! I loved it, but it was just like that. Oh no. Was punditry not enough for you, Frank? Um, I wouldn't say it's not enough. I think that's disrespectful to it because I enjoyed it mm. and um, allowed you to have a. a yeah. A nicer lifestyle, you know. It's like I'm not, I'm not, you, you work, we all work hard yeah. on the table in our different ways, but like it's from being a player, yeah. obviously. Um, so no, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the, the the preparation. I wanted to be as well prepped as I could. I wanted to do as good a job as I could. But do. you were good at it as well. Oh, I, I thought you know, I thought I was okay, but you yeah. always want to be better at it and, and do what you do and look around and see other people doing it really well, and you kind of want to be Where? as good as you can. <laughs> 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 no, but so what? No, I wouldn't say it was. No, I just enjoyed the period of doing it, and you know, it actually gave me an eye towards the analysis thing, which you have to do when you're a manager, and it's, it's done so well. And that's why I appreciate good analysis. Uh, and I appreciate where I can see preps been done and someone's watched the game rather than just got no, they, they pressed higher, they didn't, yeah. you know, like the generic stuff. Yeah. I, I saw you the other day, the Man U game, you talked about the midfield boy and you were talking about two tens either side of you, cover the space, wait, and then you know where to go. And like, for me, if I'm sitting there, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear Roy can show me and tell me exactly why, because he did it for... 20 years Just or think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, no, but I appreciate that. No, but you, you guys, you've done that on Monday Night Football yeah. and made it an amazing show. And yeah. right, when he talks about movement, of, you know, whatever it might be, like those things I, I think are good to this, is what I would want to be that version of that. But then when I got into management, the, the, the sort of drug to be the flip of the negative side of it is, can you get improvement? Mm. And, and the more you go into the whole of that, because I, I want to be a coach and I want to coach the players and I want to give them ideas. And I want to show them what, what they could do to be better. You do buy into that yourself. I watch games of a completely different eye than what I did five years ago or thought as a player. So you actually want to get improvement. You want to improve players. And then, you, you know, like I said, about the younger players that I have been able to be part of the, the journey or the project. Mm, the project. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? You do, you do take a sense of pride in that yeah. and enjoy that. So there are, there are lots of things to say. You're on about changes. Sorry, like with staff, do you constantly, not that you blame the staff for, you know, when you've had a, a, a bad result, but you look back and think, maybe I'll tweak that with more experience or whatever it might be. No, or were you really comfortable with all, everyone around you? Yeah, yeah I, good? I, I was. I was. I, I had a really good group and we, we, we got on very well. I know it's not about that. It's not about a lads trip, but we were up it living. Helped, up it does help if you get on with people. So the staff office, like as much as sometimes ever and again could have been challenging towards the end, we had a, we had a real laugh in the office right. about a lot of things. I won't repeat the stuff. But you would, we had, a, we had a good laugh and people, you know, um, Joe Edwards now managing at Millwall. Uh, Chris Jones I've worked with since I've started managing. Um, Paul Clement as well, who's obviously worked with Carlo and all these clubs and managed himself. So we had we had Ashley Cole, so we had a lot of experience in the room. 
I certainly wouldn't put it down to any of my style for, you know. No, I wouldn't say you're putting it down to them, mean, but if you yeah, were you back reflect. into another job, would you say, listen, if one of them is tied up, I'll leave them to it and I'll just... Well, yeah. one has since gone on to be managing Mills. So yeah. yeah, I think you, you do have to think like that. And sometimes those challenges are good for you as well. You're always making you think what you're good at and what maybe you need for someone else that's mm. better than course, you at yeah. doing yeah. analysis, you know, whatever yeah. it might be, set pieces. I, I look at you and sort of Stevie and, and probably Wayne at the minute, and you sort of, you, you're looking at Wayne Rooney at, at Birmingham and getting stick off the fans. Uh, you're talking about sort of ups and downs of the Obstevies in, in, in Saudi now. And it, do you think you, you, you almost want to be a coach? You're a coach and you're a manager now. That, that's you. Because when, when I worked with, say, Brendan Rodgers or Rafa Benitez, mm. they, they're going to be a coach or a manager till the 60-odd. It's just that's, that's mm. their thing. Mm. Do, do you not sort of envisage in the future you being maybe an ambassador somewhere or maybe working for UEFA and doing a TV gig. Are you in the, the management stuff for sort of thinking, I'm going to give this another sort of four or five years yeah. and then try and get out? Or do you see this as going into your sort of 60s? I don't go beyond, I don't go beyond the four or five years. I think you probably have to have that because I think if you don't, you could probably easily get waylaid off of it because there's a lot of challenges. Now I'm sitting waiting for an opportunity. You might, get, you might go for a job and you don't get it or you might just be waiting around. And so I think then you could go down uh, different routes. I think I'm, well, I know exactly where I'm at, that I want to do it because I do enjoy doing it. And I actually, it's probably a deep down desire to, to get better at it and do the best I can at it. Because I've, I've always been like that a bit as a player. I haven't lost that. And as much as you try not to listen to outside noise, there will always be outside noise. It's me, Stevie, Wayne, particularly because of probably our playing careers. Yeah. I think it's of good interest to people that have probably watched you have a pretty good playing career for 20 years. And then go, I'm not going to just give you an easy ride into management, though. And they kind of presume that you just went, I'm going to finish now, I'm going to be a manager, and here's my. Yeah. No, you work by the art. Yeah. There is a level of disrespect. I want to talk about that. Do you think there is a level of disrespect to this sort of golden generation of managers? And it's almost been the last few weeks because of what's happened with Wayne in particular. There's an element of ridicule which is unfair. Yeah, I, f I think there's definitely, there's definitely a point because the golden generation thing was a nonsense anyway, because no one proclaimed us a golden generation. There's some good players in that squad, but so did Italy and France, and they had Zidane, mm. and they had Pirlo, and that, you know, like, yeah. it, it, international football is always a challenge to win, and, and that's an old story now. But of course, it's nice to rehash the story and go on result, but every manager, like, it doesn't matter whether you're... I don't want to cry too much here because every manager gets a tough run. Every manager will be top of the tree after a few wins, and in threat of getting a sack within a few, whether you're part of the golden generation, just an English manager or a foreign manager. But I would say probably in the last recent period, there's not really been a, a young British manager that's come and been a bit of a standard bearer for it. So there's always this kind of, he's another one that's not really mm. as, as talented as, because to be fair to foreign managers, starting with probably Arsene Wenger, Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, they have made a massive difference to the tactical nature of the yeah. game in 20 years. Not, not an English manager in that list. Mm. But at the same time now, there are a lot of English coaches. And I think it is a stick to beat you with sometimes, the golden generation thing. I, it's, it's hard. That's, that's another headline for now. Poor old us. Do you know what I mean? Mm. The golden generation, we're still good. That's what we want on this podcast. Yeah. To be fair, I looked at this quite a bit in the last few days. And it's this thing about who's a successful manager mm. and who's deemed not a successful manager. Mm. And, you know, I was looking at the win percentages of, say, the golden generation. Stevie's win percentage overall is 57.1%. Yours is 41.3%. Um, you know, Waz's is down at 25. Mine was 35. And Valencia's goals was 30.8. I'm just named five there. <laughs> 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 35? Are you serious? I'm at 35%. Nice then, one, Is that Captain Copper Del Rey? No, but what's staggering? And look, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> charity Shield, the equivalent Charity Shield, the friendly is that. But then you think about these managers who have unbelievable careers. 
Sean Dyche, Graham Potter, Roy Hodgson, Sam Allardyce, Eddie Howe. And you know, Roy, your win percentage overall is 38.7%. Eddie Howe's is 35%. Sam Allardyce's overall win percentage in the Premier League is 32%. Roy Hodgson's overall win percentage in the Premier League is 32%. Graham Potter's, who's deemed an unbelievable manager, and, and I think he's a great coach, 28%. Wow. Sean Dyche is 28%. Now, that's what I'm talking about in terms of they're deemed to be very successful. Yeah. I think you mentioned this quite a few times, Roy, over the last few years. And we would say they are successful managers, but they've got probably three, four hundred games under the belt. How do you two, who have maybe only had one difficult job between, you know, you've had one difficult job at Ipswich, you had a difficult job at, at maybe um, Everton in the last few months. How do you get to 10 jobs, 12 jobs like they have when your win percentages are higher than those, but you're deemed already to potentially be, oh, where's your next job going to be? You need well, that's, to over long, that's over a longer period. It is, it is. Not, and I'm, so not, I'm, not, I'm them, not disrespecting them yeah. at all. So I'm just you have saying. To look at the clubs and the situations. Yeah. yeah. So how do, you, how do young managers, when they're being written off with percentages of 40%, 38% as an example, why would you give them a job? We've actually got higher win percentages than some of the ones that are deemed have got incredible careers. Well, yeah, unfortunately, you sort of have to ignore it because um, I know perception's a big thing. You just talked about it there, yeah. and, and I think again, I think our careers maybe then get held uh, on us a bit. You know, I think yourself even going to Valencia, you decided then you're going to go down your own route. But there'll be a, there'll be an element of people that will probably sit in back in England and go, it didn't work for him out there. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, a reality. That's the work, the real world that we live in. Yeah. So you've got to try and ignore it, or you get drawn on the silly article that just throws that up without any context of where you worked at. You know, Sam Allardyce will be low because he kept keeping clubs in the league that maybe yeah. didn't deserve to stay in the league or whatever it is. So I think that's a perception. You just got to put it to the side and work forward. But I know you know what you mean. It can have an effect. It's the world. Do you think it's in. because those managers maybe took jobs? lower down to start with and then went like that and maybe the jobs that say the golden generation have got have gone in a lot higher and maybe the, there's that perception that I, th I think that's where people there's an element of where if you you finish and you've had a decent career and you get a decent job quickly I think there is that resentment towards managers who've had a good career and just say you might mention a few managers who were down the lower leagues and they learned their trade at league one or league two and two three hundred games and they sometimes get away with it, I think when they get better jobs but I think people are waiting for certain players who've had a certain career, if they've seen they've got an easy job quickly or a big job quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is that idea of like, oh, well, sometimes you don't get the benefit of the doubt as much as other managers when you've had a difficult spell because every manager, even the great managers, go through difficult spells. They can't... You, you, you. Players with a big name, a great place, you can't make your mistakes, if you know what I mean. So the managers you're talking about there, Roy Hodgson, I think, started in Sweden. We don't really know how it went, or you know, obviously he did really well, well at yeah. the time. But I think Sean Dice was at... Wofford initially. Yeah. Graham Potter. Yeah. Yeah, so what I'm saying yeah. is, they, even when they're having a good time or a bad time, they're going a little bit yeah. under the radar in terms of them. Whereas you can't Everything's right in the spotlight. Stevie can't right in the spotlight, yeah. like, And it feels like everyone in this country is desperate for our Pep Guardiola because everyone says, well, Pep doesn't even straight in Barcelona. Pep Guardiola is a genius. He's probably going to be the greatest manager of There's all pluses time. There's pluses and minuses. You have to hold your hand up and you go, listen, because of your career, that has given yeah. you an opportunity. Sure. Yeah. But then but you're, you're not mistakes. given that bit of, that bit of breathing pressure. space when you have a difficult spell because, again, the first thing they throw at you is, oh, you're never going to be as good as what you are as a player. And that's yeah. That, there's, there, there's some of the hang-ups you have to face. Eddie Howe's had it, I suppose, a little bit. Eddie Howe was going to be this and that. Then Newcastle going through a difficult spell. But he started off really well. Obviously, I know he obviously Bournemouth. done really well at Bournemouth. Went to Burnley for a while. He came back to Bournemouth. And, then, and that's... There's, there's challenges for every manager. Yeah, it's not but just... They don't get enough time, though. Like, Rooney, how long was he in that job? It's crazy. Like, I think we spoke about it before, but you're going into a club, you've got to change everything. You get a bad run of results. I feel like back in the day, they didn't just get rid of you. 
after 12, 13 weeks. And I think it, it takes time. So, But that's your decision-making, though. The club you're picking as well, you yeah. know, yeah. Birmingham. I know they were doing okay at the time. <laughs> Even Wayne's stuff at Derby, I'm sure that was difficult. Off-the-field stuff, and it yeah. goes to the States. So everyone's got a different journey. But yeah, but Wayne... But a lot of managers say, you say you don't get enough time. Of course not. Obviously not. Yeah. You know, it ramps up as well when you get a manager that's he weren't doing badly. Well, mm. you know, and then it feels like, oh, they've bought, oh, yeah. like, boom. Okay, yeah, stump that out. Yeah. 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 Instantly. Instantly you're under pressure. It's a horrible situation. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We've mentioned Golden Generation and send our best wishes to Sven Goran Eriksson. Yeah. Um, and I know you like talking about the Golden Generation, but there's this feeling, Frank, and I don't think I've ever spoken to you about this, that we were sort of, we could have been set up better. We could have potentially been more sort of progressive. We should have achieved more. And I, I just wrote a team down um, this week in a system of play that had David James in goal. We've got three centre-backs of Sol Campbell on the right, Rio Ferdinand in the middle and John Terry on the left. Mm. Got David Beckham right wing back who played there under Glenn Hoddle. Ashley Cole left wing back. <laughs> He's dropped himself. Oh, no. yeah. Yeah. He had to drop himself. <laughs> said, yeah, he wants a wince up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Scholes in midfield dictating the play, holding like Pirlo did. Mm. Ewan Stevie obviously moving forward in those number eights. And then Wayne Rooney and Michael Owen Jesus. up front. I picked that team and I thought, if we were set up in that way, would we have... Could we have won something? Do you think the golden generation should have won something? Now, you said that France before mm. are better players. I sometimes go along with that theory mm. as well. But do you think there is an element of us potentially being set up in a more progressive way that could mean that we would have been able to keep possession more and do more in tournaments? Because you were part, obviously, of the 2004 yeah. and six. And I think it's, it's such a long conversation, this one, because and I float a bit with it, like you said there yourself, because... I do think at times we were probably too rigid. And when I say that, I talk from my own personal experience of playing in World Cups against teams that were not at our level. So I'm not talking about France and Italy now. That's a yeah. Playing against Ecuador. So they were keeping the ball off us. And they were keeping the ball yeah, in the field because yeah. they're outnumbering us in the centre of the park. So yeah. the things that maybe me and Stevie get used to doing where we, we had numbers or we were used to... Yeah. Now you're just trying to cover space. Yeah. And, and, and you actually get a bit mentally done with it in the game, going, yeah. why, is this, why is this happening? And I think we were probably struck... And that would be, you know, Fabio Capello, one of the greatest managers in terms of his record in Italy coming in went with that very rigid structure yeah. as well because that was his way and he'd had great success with it but for us yeah I do think but there are a lot of factors to it like the, Skull, the Paul Scholes factor Scholes is an incredible player I remember when I sort of first got into the squad I probably upset the apple cart a little bit because I was another one that was sort of attacking midfield yeah. and now you've got three of them and I know Scholes even went on the left of a diamond and we had, we had a yeah. decent Euros that year but we got knocked out um, so 
then Scalzi kind of went retired from international football thing for his own reasons, whatever they were. Then went into that kind of deeper role at Man United and became a quarterback and was unreal. Now you can casually look back and go, why didn't he just put Scholes there? Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't playing but at that there. At that point, he wasn't there. playing there. He yeah. was arriving into the box. I remember scoring those two goals against Scotland yeah. in ball over the top yeah. for you and at that yeah. time. You know, like he was an incredible player well, throughout yeah. his whole career, but the circumstances had changed. And, you know, so there were Wayne and, uh, and Michael didn't quite played together in that two that much like Wayne and then Michael started to get his injuries and then Wayne came into the team so it was never as clear cut it was a good squad and maybe with some different you know Laren getting another body in midfield for sure I think would have helped it certainly would have helped but what the dynamics of people together was a lot of egos was a years yeah, you'd hear stories about Liverpool against United was that was all going on there was a bit of that so if you look at good players on paper it doesn't mean the dynamics in the, the group is going to come together yeah that's and England do have that now, don't they? They have that togetherness. Yeah. I think Gavit Southgate's really yeah. focused on that, which and does help. massive credit yeah. for that. But for all the experienced players, could they not, the group deal with all that stuff? Because they had expectations week in, week out at their we've clubs. Got we've got to take that on the chin, I think, yeah. as, as the players for that one. I think yeah. it was a bit of naivety. I was mid-20s or whatever I was when I got into the team full-time. And I look back now and I would go, yeah, I probably did sit with the Chelsea boys on the table. Yeah, too. yeah that was the same. Didn't link with them. You know, I think you just take that one on the chin. Yeah. It doesn't mean we would have won or lost the game necessarily, but over a period of but time. But even the expectation, I mean, Frank, the group of players should be going, ex yeah, there is expectation, yeah. OK, not everyone's going to be best pals together, but talking about pressure playing for England, but mm. you were getting pressure week in, we got to your club, yeah. sorry, that... Uh, I'm surprised that was such a... That would kind of really creep into the camp and affect players when a lot of these players were winning big trophies at their clubs yeah. every season. Yeah. But yeah. It's harder in national football when you've had that massive game, haven't you, like Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, and then you meet up with England and it's like you've had to be the biggest rivals and then suddenly the next day yeah. you're like, come on then, let's get on with it. So I used to sometimes find that a little bit difficult. Um, it was kind of like leave your club hat at home and then now run international. And same with style of play as well. You go from playing a club football in a certain way and believing in it and then you have to go away with Phil Neville, at England and believe in his style of play and have like an open mindset and stuff like that. And sometimes you're so drilled in by your club, aren't you? Because that's your yeah. philosophy day in, day out. So was it a case of sometimes when that golden generation came together, you had the Liverpool lads that believed in a certain way of playing the Chelsea boys or... Yeah, maybe. And again, bit? I think we have to take responsibility because that, that is the the test and the, you know, of international football. You have to yeah. get, be able to go and be adaptable and understand what the... Basically the Chelsea game. lads, wasn't it? It was the Chelsea lads. We got told for about six months after we got knocked out of World Cup, everyone went, me, John and Ashley were getting pelters. <laughs> <Yeah>. everyone, <laughs> everyone let us know it was our fault. That's what Nev kept telling us when he said came back. He says, you wouldn't believe them Chelsea lads. Yeah. But Sven was linked with the United job, wasn't he? He was supposed yeah, to be yeah. coming in. But you all like Sven, didn't you? You used yeah, to come back. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we really liked him. But, and to be fair, I, I always, I've always taken the sort of same opinion as Frank that I look back and think of as players we disappointed and we fell below our standards and other countries had great players but then I just think when I look at sort of how we played under Terry in Euro 96 or maybe Glenn and I think of how we were rigid for about eight years as you were at Liverpool quite rigid weren't you and sort of compact in defence and then it's very difficult to get out from that and we were kept the ball was being kept off us by teams that were inferior to us um, and you wonder whether it would have been different if we'd have gone for a more sort of progressive system or something you just you know it's a question yeah, but when you changed it was Glenn. No, Glenn was before. Yeah, but when you so. change it with um, Terry Venables, Terry Venables was, was he not playing? Terry, Terry Venables, it was Terry Venables and then it was... Uh, yeah, but was that Terry Venables in, you know, making like inviting you to play a nice style of football? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. That's what I'm saying to you. We, we played different but systems. But you still didn't win. 
Why did you say no, that? No, 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 no. That is a good point. <laughs> no, no, you have this in your head. If we played a certain way, we could have won. No, you still, listen, as you know, still fine margins. Yeah. You still have to get over the line in certain games. And yeah. so even when you did start playing and you were having more possession and getting more balls in the box and brilliant strikers <laughs> like Shearer, listen, they still came up short. I, I think you're right. But what I, w- I would say about that is I think when I hear players talk about Euro 96 and maybe the World Cup in 98, it feels like there was an enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, I was in the squad without really being in the team, but I don't ever felt like we enjoyed it that no. much. You know, the tournament, because no. you'd sometimes get a result, but it felt like a, everything felt like a grind, didn't yes. it? Mm. You know, it just didn't but feel But yours like... was in England again, Jamie. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just you know, I'm throwing <laughs> the spanner on the walks here. But when you're, obviously, you're playing at Wembley all the time, you you get with that momentum, then it it's is going to be good, isn't it? It's more pressure. And obviously, you Lads are based in England, you've got family, surely all that comes in. Because a lot of Ireland, when you go away, and you sometimes been away for a, a kind of long spell, didn't seem to suit certain countries. Because mm-hmm. you'd always hear the Brazilian lads, they love being away for four or five weeks together. But as you said, if, if, and if, especially if you think lads weren't getting on that well together, that does make it a long tournament you're away with, yeah. don't yeah. it? Were we that bad? Was it that bad? I don't think it was that bad. It was. No, I don't think it was no. that bad. No, no, no. No, I'm not saying it was that bad. It was them. It was it? It was you. Well, Scorsi never used to like going away. I, for no. example, Scorsi used to come back, and you're on about, you know, Scorsi kind of retired from England. Mm. 2004. He was, yeah, he was, you know, he was still fairly young, but he used to come back and, mm. he's, yeah, didn't like it. I, I, I would think the Man United boys, I'm not, I'm not pinning it on you. It is. But, a, but, <laughs> no, it is. We, we were a generation slightly younger than you, the yeah. Chelsea lads. So when I remember coming to the squad and looking at the Man United tab and going, ooh, like that, that they would you would have governed yeah, of, the, yeah. of the room. But Gary, you wouldn't in a negative way. Well, Gary made an effort, Frank. Sorry, would you? You were fairly quiet, weren't you? You wouldn't have gone over like. To, I, can, I just can't visualise you going over to the no. Chelsea lads, for example. Just it was good when there was a cause. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Strike, strike. Union man, union man. Why not? It was great. No, was, no, Gary yeah. was the kind of person that when you go back and they say, "What was he like? What's Gary Neville like?" You say, "He's, I think, I'm, yeah, nah, not sure." No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was when we should go to United. He got to bed early. I could imagine him sitting down all night. Only sit on the Man United table. Having carriage school. Did he get the carriage school? I love Gary. That's my point. Dinner was seven o'clock. So you get there maybe a couple of minutes before. He'd they're be already finished. on the dessert. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, God, the man, you're like, they're all sat there, they're done. Yeah. And it's like, fuck okay. school, did you get them in the card school? No, I didn't do card school. No? No. But this, but this is all, a, not, a, not a diversion. There were, seven, all, there were six of us in the squad, there was a lot of us there. Yeah, like, there were you know, a lot of you there. Yeah. And environment is clearly big, because we'll talk about it at a different time, you need a good yeah. environment, but you don't have to be best mates. Mm. And I remember, one thing I remember from yourself and Phil, actually, as players, was your mentality. I remember the warm-up, she's doing the dress room and like Phil used to do doggies in the back of the dress room. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a bit much. She's still doing that. Yeah. <laughs> in a positive, I, like, I looked up to her. I was like, yeah, she's got Man United because you, you were winning everything mm. pretty much. But like, you know something? Great, I suppose that wasn't to Gary and Phil. In all of our defences, I think it was quite an intense period between United, Chelsea, Arsenal yeah. and Liverpool. There was a lot of... If you we're remember all that, going you for the Champions League. We were all yeah. going for the Champions yeah. League between sort of that period of five, six years. Sure. Jose had come in and was trying to create a siege mentality. Wow. Arsene Wenger was obviously with the Invincibles. Yeah, Liverpool was starting to get closer with, obviously, Rafa Benitez. And there was a lot of you know, anger there between Ferg, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson yeah, and Rafa Benitez. Yeah. So it was all a bit like you were, you were at each other's throat. But the manager ever get you together? This is my point. And, and feel that tension. And even if you go, it's not that obvious. You're not going down and not speaking to people. But you're missing no, something. It wasn't that bad, but it maybe it'd be little things for me. So I know Glenn tried to for instance, um, he brought in a single table. So basically, rather than having the four round yeah. tables of 10, mm. and then you might sit on different tables, he would bring in the one big table, right. so you're all sat basically mm. around one table, and things like that can help. Um, 
What else? I think one what of the problems was... Just a table. Quiz night. Quiz night. Quiz night. I think within that rivalry, if you, if you thought of Chelsea at that time, it was you and John. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't yeah. just like you were in the team. You were yeah. like... And it probably felt a little bit like... So the Liverpool was being Stevie and you were like the class of 92. So the, it wasn't just the teams were against each other. The big figures within yeah, those yeah. teams... Of course. Did you like going teams. away, James? Yeah. Did you like going away with England? No, not right. really. I remember for Ash. that reason or from football. Oh, nothing reason. to do with that. Roy, Roy. played. Roy, remember, <laughs> but, you did not, but you must have enjoyed being together and training with, with the lads. No, Roy, the tunnel <laughs> game. Roy, the tunnel game. Uh, um, Arsenal. That game. You remember how Arsenal were that game? They were so fired up before the game. Arsenal score the first goal, don't they? Mm, right. What was that? The two-two. No, the four-two. We won in the end. Yeah. Oh, was we that? Win the end. Yeah, we win the game. Was that Sharpie? No, no, no. It was Ronaldo. well after that. Yeah, no, it was well after that. Um, Ashley Cole. I'm literally sat next to Ash in the dressing room for England for six, seven, eight years. Ash comes up to me screaming in my face, you fucking... Mm. After they score the first goal, right? Ashley Cole, the most placid. You know, Ash is yeah. a brilliant lad, isn't he? Yeah. Another great lad, yeah. Ash comes screaming in my face. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Should have booted him, <laughs> right? So literally, you're like a couple of weeks later, you literally sat there next to him. Yeah. Yeah. So much was going on. You obviously with Chelsea and some, yeah, yeah, there was that yeah. type of thing rivalry. going on. Like, the rivalry oh, took yeah, over. Really? No wonder, you, no wonder you won nothing. Or... Jesus. Yeah. This is why Phil did so much work on environment when he came into the England job. I think with us mm, and yeah. we did. I loved going away with England. I absolutely mm. loved it. And I think especially tournaments, you are away. Maybe you'll have your two, three weeks. Did Phil bring you together as a group? Yeah, he did. He, re he really did. Yeah, his work off the pitch was really good Serena carried it on and I think when you're in a tournament you have the three week prep maybe at St George's Park which there's not a lot going on it's great yeah. facilities and then you go away so you could have like eight nine weeks together which is a lot and if you take away the on the pitch time more of it is obviously spent around each other and I absolutely loved it and I think that's why we ended up doing well because you have to enjoy it. Like, playing for your country is the biggest thing ever. And I'm sitting here now and I find it quite sad that at times you just didn't enjoy it because you look back and mm. it should be the best days. I don't think there's any any um, England squads, like, like you mentioned, like the, the golden generation that had the competitiveness amongst the team like that generation. None. Not in, yeah. not in England. Right, Frank, when I finish with Chelsea, yes. go, go back... So Chelsea now, but Chelsea to start with, but going back to when obviously Jose joined, what was that like? What happened at Chelsea when he arrived and what impact did it have on your career? Uh, well, as, as a group, he brought um, a huge um, self-confidence that rubbed off. We all saw the press conference and we all felt it the minute he walked into the room. So I think we were, we were, we were a good group, good players. So he came into a, a team already that had come second, I think the year before. A bit of a core of a British the dressing room. We sort of not ran the dressing room, but he had that strength mm. within the dressing room. Um, I think we in that first year we we got Didier, got Big Pete, uh, Cavalier came in, so he went bang. Is is four other players, top players to make you a better team. Um, sent us set us up in a pretty simple structure, four three three. But it was, at the time it was seen as a little bit forward thinking, but not much not much to it. Looking back, um, but it was more for me the, the mentality of. We're going to win, and mm. I'm telling you so. And when you got loads of 20, mid 20s, young, year old lads, sort of taking that in, I think we all took it in. So it was. It was the first league match against United. Was that yeah. the second? You didn't goal away. I was sent a half. Yeah. I didn't give the goal away. I've got on video. Let's get the video. <laughs> 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 Johnson, wasn't it? Did you sent a half. Yeah. You sent a half. Did you like stuff? No, but that was you're on about a new manager coming in, putting a statement down, and 
was a big win even that. It was. Early in the season. But we, we played a diamond that day for some reason. We went into 4-3-3. Three, three. I don't know why we played a diamond. And it was a bit stodgy, the game. It wasn't a great game when, no. we, when we nicked it 1-0. But then as we got in, as we hit the ground running, all the, all new things, which are, which are yeah. fantastic man management, you sit there and go, here, the next six games, we're going to win that, that, win that, win that, win that. It was new to us. Do you know what I mean? No one had He's come in with that bravado. Yeah, and we're going, well, we will. Then that kind of, it, it went through to the team. And on a personal level, it was probably pretty similar. It was like I was, you know, a good player. I was getting better. I'd had a decent year before with, with Ranieri in the second year. But I, ne I needed someone. And his way with me was to kind of go, you are, you're there. And that's, you need to win titles now. And me being impressionable was like, okay, boss, I'll try and do that. And it, and it helped me. Do you know what I mean? And it was a lot of that. As I said, it was not loads of information to give me about that. It was almost like, you'll be there. McAlady will be there. The other one might stay a bit more than you. There's your wingers. We do this, we do that. And, you know, it was, uh, it was spot on. So some of the greatest things for me in management are simple things. Yeah. Simple things, mentally simple things on the pitch as well. You mentioned earlier when you talk about Mashiri, about he doesn't turn up, but then Roman Abramovich didn't turn up, but he was successful. What was sort of like... He how was Chelsea so successful and the model became so, so successful? Even changing managers all the time. Mm, still what was it about Chelsea under Abramovich that made it such a sort of success machine, really? It was, I mean, for many years, there were only United won more Premier League titles. Well, then, it, then it's the players, isn't it? I think if you, if you explain it that way, we had such a strong core of players that when the manager changed, a few would be disgruntled a bit about it, a few would be happy because they might get back in the team. But the basis of it remained that we had John being the, the captain that was there visually for everyone to see. Myself, who was behind that, a bit quiet, but maybe like, like my training, I was a bit of a standards man. Didier was like looking after the boys in the dressing room, the African boys and SEN and these ones and the French speaking and yeah. the big Pete. So we just had this, however smart well, it was. Big personalities, huh? yeah. big, big spine. I don't know how much, you know, if they would have stuck with Jose through that patch and he'd stayed on. I know Jose's history now sort of looks like he moves on after a few years anyway. But Carlo left after two years, like top managers. So I'm not sure it was necessarily the right bit. They, they did manage to get over the line again yeah. with the players. Do you know what I mean? And it became, you know, the, the, the Roman sort of idea. He came and had a few harsh meetings of us in those few years when he was more present. What would he say? He'd just come in. One was before we played at Old Trafford in the Champions League. He'd just come and he'd just sort of be really harsh and... I remember him saying once before, uh, before the Old Trafford at the hotel game, and I think Chikorito went through and scored early in the game. It's a Champions League quarter-final or something. And he sat down and went, and this was translated, which makes it even harsher. You know, the Russian <laughs> translated. <laughs> you know, like, you're waiting for the translation going, it's not going to be good, you know what I mean? And he, he was like, do I think we're going to win this game? No. Do I think, will you be here at the end of the season if we don't win this game? A lot of you know, you know, and that was being translated to us. Like two hours before the game, typically we all go out like little kids go, shouldn't have been saying that before the game and all that. Yeah. But really, what he did with I those... I realise he was so invasive well, like that. He, had, he only had a few, I've got to say. He'd come to a lot of games and yeah. in the early years, my bigger memory is him cuddling us a bit. Not yeah. too close, but you know, well yeah. done, high five and off. And that was great. But there were a couple of times, I remember with Carlo one year, he came in, we won the league and we won the FA Cup, but we got knocked out by Inter Milan in the Champions League. Jose was the manager. Uh, and by, Joe, by Jose, the bits at the bridge. Wow. And um, he came in and absolutely went, sort of went at everybody from ourselves and manager, it was strong. Um, and then after that, we went about nine unbeaten, we were winning. So when we started, we won seven nil, eight nil at the back end of the season. And it was, we had a good team, Anelka, Drogba, Maluda, and it was, we were strong. But we'd been a bit like that. He came in and went, gosh, and everyone walked out of the room. And then we went on a big run. Not saying it was just that, but it was definitely... So when I say it was the players, there was also a cultural thing around the club there. Yeah. It was like, Tough. we're winners. Coming second was a disaster. Yeah. For, and, and I felt it as well, we, as we as a group of players. It's not the ones that go, see you later next year, lads, we're in the Champions League next year anyway. So it was his 
culture and mentality yeah, really though. yeah I think so I think it just it landed and then it was what it was and maybe sacking managers as, as much as it could have been good or bad was a reminder of the brutality of it so if you don't live up to the standards of the owner and if you don't live up to the standards of the dressing room when we were strong on that there were loads of players that came in you know like not to say this is the reason but Kevin De Bruyne came through and moved on and Mo Salah and that and they're obviously world-class yeah. players to say the least now yeah. but there were a lot of players all that, did, that got paid away that just worked for Chelsea, Frank, at the time. Like I don't know if that would obviously... If you hear about owners getting involved, people go, that's out of order. Yeah. It's this. What's he doing? But in obviously, your dressing was strong enough to deal with all mm. that. But I, I love that culture yeah. of Chelsea and in terms of they were just a winning machine. Would you like an owner coming in, Jim, if you were a player? And, oh, no. It'd be, it, right? Yeah, yeah. But the thing about Chelsea at that time and changing managers, there was always this feeling from the outside that Abramovich wanted Chelsea to be like Barcelona, the way they, they played a little yeah. bit. And I could never understand it because I'm thinking... Just win every mm -hmm. season. I'm always thinking, why would you change that model? Because your model almost reminded me a little bit the way I'd always see like a Bayern Munich where mm. big, powerful, strong, you wouldn't want to play against. You've got quality, mm. but it's not massively overplaying. Mm. But you're in your team and you play against you, you're thinking, why are you going to beat them? Horrible to play against. Yeah. yeah, and I used to just think, Steph, you're winning. Mm. I, pres I presume with that one, I'm presuming a bit here, but um, there might have been a lot of people around the owner, the ownership, mm -hmm. that would be going, oh, you've done well here, but you could play like Barcelona. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I presume that that might have been, because we, we probably tried that. Scolari I think, we, came in, didn't Scolari it? Scolari vs Boas. We tried to be a bit more expensive, and, and it didn't work, no. really. And then when, when they left halfway through their seasons, we went, Gus didn't come in and went bang. Yeah. And then we went with the players. But even so. with Carlo and with um, Conte, the type of managers yeah. that are a bit more formulaic and yeah. methodical, aren't they? But, the, but the, 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 the thing with it as well was I felt that the Chelsea fans didn't demand. They were, they were not looking for ticket tackle football. They loved mm. Robber up front mm. and me joining on if we did go yeah. long and John, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it was, there was no real desire for it. But maybe, you know, like, it didn't, the world was changing a bit. Ticket tackle was amazing. Let's try and do that. But what, it never really worked. When Abramovich came in, was he talking sense? Did he know the game? Was he like, or was he just digging people out? Was, no. Did you have a run of bad results or something? Or? It had been off the back of a run of results. He never declared himself as to why. It was, it was never like, oh, because of this, this, this. It was more of a, if I don't see you lot winning, then right. we'll have to make changes. It was that cut and dried. I, I, looking back, I appreciate And even at the time, I was a little bit like, oh, myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to be one of it those worked. guys. It worked. Yeah, it did. Wow. It did. Moving on to modern day Chelsea, you talk about a winning, a winning mentality under Roman Abramovich. The new ownership have come in and they've tried to obviously do something completely different mm. from a strategic point of view, sort of the eight-year contracts. Do you feel like we're at the beginning of a winning, you know, you've spent 11, um, get up, three, four, five months, what, three months of their last season. Do you feel like this is going to be a successful ownership and that they're at the beginning of it? Or do you think it's a little bit rabbit in headlights and they're going to have to change? Um, I, th I think it's definitely going to take time mm. and I think the strategy might have to develop as it goes because at the minute, you can't forget the one thing that's important when you've been a winning club for 20 years. You've got to win. You've got to keep the fans happy. You've got to keep the media you know, engaged in it in a way that's not negativity. So I think they're going to have to change. These players have to develop quickly. And I, I feel for the manager a bit. I'm not feeling sorry for him, but, you know, I understand that that change is going to take time for those players to develop. What is, he, what is he experiencing there? What did you experience at the end of last season that you said you thought would be difficult this season? Well, my feeling was because uh, it was a bit different for me in a way because I probably had half the squad. I remember going through the squad on the board in the, in the office and it was like half the squad, at least, and it's just 30 players. I would want to leave or have been told that they're going to leave. And we had seven games to go that were going against like Arsenal playing for the title, Man United playing for Europe, Man City, Brentford, you know, all these teams you go, 
if we've got no, you know, this lack of motivation with a group, players want to go with a few injuries and stuff, it's not going to get there. So when the, the, the positive I saw at the end of the season was that those players have to go now yeah. for whatever reason. Some, some you might have said, could you have kept him, but whatever, moved them on and then bring it. But then you're bringing in another batch of players, which is going to take time. And the reality is as well, we're, we're younger players that don't have, you, know, you never win anything with youngsters. Like the reality is now, you look at what Man City and Liverpool are doing, there's a gap. Mm. And it's going to take time to do that. So I'm not saying that you have to completely turn the strategy around and go, OK, now go and buy the finished article, you know, go and buy Harry Kane in the mm. summer or go and buy. But I think you do have to look at going, OK, what's the talk about spines again? We've got enough in the spine there that's going to pull us through yeah. and Day's going to be vocal on the pitch, going to drive training every day. Because yeah. the manager can't do all those things. No. You know, players have to take it. I, I just look, sorry, I just, I just look at it and I think... City and Liverpool for sort of five or six years have probably been the two best teams in Europe or the world, if you like. And I think Chelsea almost forget that this new ownership, it's been that scattergun that you, you got top four, I think, and got to a cup final in your first season. Then obviously Tuchel comes in. Chelsea were always third under Thomas Tuchel. And yeah, how, what manager could have competed with a Liverpool or a Man City yeah. with how good they were? So Chelsea were doing... I thought they were doing fine. Mm -hmm. Two cup finals against Liverpool. Liverpool won penalty shoots on both of them. So they, they were competing with the two best teams in Europe at the time. And then the, the owner comes in and then all of a sudden Chelsea like, look like they're the eighth. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, even for a few years, you know, they weren't winning everything. They were still really competitive. They were, they were the best of the rest, if you like. And it's still competitive league. Spurs, Arsenal, Manchester United at that time. They were still sort of like the best team behind those two. And all of a sudden now you look at it and you think... The miles away from miles away from mm. the top two, but even sort of like you look at Villa now, even like a Newcastle, you know, Manchester United last season, it just feels like so quickly it's just gone from being almost there to just miles away. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. The, the, it's a Premier League; it moves forward really quickly. Mm. And at the time now, as I say, the strategy has been to, to, to recruit young, and it's going <laughs> to take time. Now you're seeing the difficulties of that. So I don't think anyone can expect. I think if Chelsea, you know, progression this year will be starting to play better and get a better feeling around the place. Now, I don't know what it ends up in. The, it might be eighth, it might be sixth or whatever, I don't know. And that, It's just a reality of it, that, Carol. I, I agree with what you're saying. just wanted to ask me about Jose Mourinho and perception of managers before. Obviously, Jose was seen as the greatest manager uh, in the world with Pep Guardiola. What do you think's happened in the last few? Do you think the game's moved on in terms of style expectations? Or do you think there's still a place for a Jose Mourinho playing the style of play that he plays? And what? Because the perception's changed, hasn't it, around Jose in the last few years? There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think uh, there's definitely a place for it because, you know, not everyone, you, you, you manage with your style and I don't think anyone would expect him to go miles away from that because that's what's given him success over the years. I think the reality is as well, I saw when he lost his job recently that, oh, um, back to the win percentage, um, Jose's was 48.2% at Roma, which is his lowest ever. That's why he's got to say, well, of course it was. He's at Roma, he's not at Chelsea yeah. with a squad that's going to get 70% win percentage. So everyone's got different challenges. He's got them to two finals, yeah. mm. European finals, wins one of them, doesn't win the next one. Um, and I just think, you know, that it's, I would never... I, again, I'm not going to comment too much. I don't know what's Roma. No. I don't watch the Italian football. You speak to Jose, Frank. Yeah, me, on message and stuff. Yeah. Mm. But I don't. I, I don't. I think it would be quite lazy to kind of go. He's still, you know, like people talk about him in the old, being quite harsh. Yeah. And he's still, still a big story up no, here. I know, isn't he? he is, and I know he's, you know, been sent off whatever times over there. That comes with the Jose thing. But I, when I look at him, I wouldn't want to see, think about exactly how he is with the players at Roma because I've seen a lot of stuff this week as well. Players going, "Thanks very much." I know yeah. that yeah. can happen a lot. Mm. Players go, "Thanks very much." On to the next one. But at the same time, I, I would have thought he'd adapted. He's a smart. He's a smart man, yeah. and he, he can't change from being Jose. He's one in. 30 titles or whatever it is. Yeah. So I think there's absolutely a place for him. It'll be, I think it'd be interesting to see where he pops up next.
A couple of community questions. How much was natural talent versus work rate to become the elite footballer you were? Uh, is that, that should be a question for you. Like, there's a viewpoint. Do you know what I mean? It's hard for me to I was say. I'm Frank, answer. <laughs> I was 99% work rate. Yeah, no, no, no. No, you know what? Yeah, because that's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a backhanded compliment. No, but Frank, what you can yeah. do is score goals from midfield, which is a massive talent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. And people, you, you put a lot of work oh, in Frank I, as well. Yeah. A lot of work. Yeah. I've saw it myself yeah. at West Ham, constant finishing and, you know, I mean, everything you, you was doing in the hard work situation, but then obviously talent. I remember the, Remember that Harry Redknapp when he done the interview saying he's going to be this and he's going to be that because I always found it, Frank, very tough for you, especially when we when I came to West Ham with your with your dad and your uncle. It was so hard, in respect, even just watching how, how how you had to react to certain stuff. This is why I remember suggestion you said, of nepotism, basically. Well, yeah, and I remember I remember you, when you when we went back with Chelsea and you guy always sent a message said nice one, Frank. You just do your stuff, but that must have been really tough, Frank, going through that stage there. Yeah, it was tough because I was probably 17, 18, mm. a kid still, really. So when grown men are giving you a stick for that. But now with, with reflection, you look back and kind of go, it's probably the making of me. Because at the time when I was a, a bit soft, but you kind of, mm. oh, and then you get through it and you come through it and it makes you a bit tougher. So I don't reflect on it. It was certainly, certainly tough at the time, but also... Did it drive you to work hard? Absolutely. As you yeah. Prove people wrong. Yeah. That, that stuck with me through my career and it probably the start of it probably started there a little bit. Mm. But I was in a great environment too at West Ham because I had Harry Redknapp and as much as... It was hard for me having my dad and uncle. It probably did help a tiny bit, do you know what I mean? In certain ways, for a little step, and then all of a sudden I went and did the step. But players like yourself, uh, De Canio, little Rudder, Harry had a nice little environment yes. to train, and I loved it, because I was looking up to people yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> The socials were amazing, weren't they? <laughs> but, no, but, to say, but I think the, the, the original question, I think work, hard work is a talent in itself. So if you're prepared to put in the heart, it was very natural to me like, to, to want to... Did Harry come up one time and really defend you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was brilliant. Yeah. It's a beautiful watch. It aged very well. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. okay. we, we used to room together in England under the 21s, didn't we? And when you think <laughs> How of... that? Oh, yeah, <laughs> lively. <laughs> Let's leave it there. <laughs> but I always... When I think of, like, sort of... You know, like the superstars of the England team, and you think of, like, a, a Rio or a Michael Owen or a Rooney or Stevie... They don't do the 21s, they just go, mm. just bypass it, yeah. don't they? Whereas we were there for like two or three years, yeah. we had to do your stint. And you don't normally see someone like that. You then became one of the stars mm -hmm. of the team. And I think that's testament to sort of your ability, of course, but also mentality and the work that you put in as well. Because yeah. as I said, it wasn't like you were seen as a star at England under the 21s. No. It was like, there wasn't like a clamour to get you in the squad. Yeah. And myself at sort of 2021. So you, you sort of done that stint and didn't really become a regular for England, did you? No, 25, 25, 26? Yeah, wow. no, I, it's, I, it's probably 50-50. You know, like I, I think in, in the big scheme of, of players that probably are, a play to get to that top level. Some naturally, it's, it's really evident. Others, I think, you've got to work hard, and that's part of the game. Because when I was 17, I was, even at school, I was probably not always the best player in the team, or West Ham youth team, say. But then I'll be, I want to be. So I used mm. to run. But again, fate, things go in your favour. I had a footballing family, my dad going, you are going to be. Mm. You're going to run. Yeah. <laughs> he was a worker. Lose he the puppy fat and run. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, all those things. He was one of those, Absolutely. he trained these yeah. bollocks off. 
Yeah, yeah and I'm lucky at that because I've seen kids go by the wayside that mm. don't have that push. Maybe their parents are not as invested or whatever it is that didn't. So I had things in my favour, but it stuck with me. Mm. And I had, an, I had like an obsession with training. It was but like, like scoring goals from midfield wasn't by chance because I remember watching a video that you did with the Man City younger players that circulated at City and you were talking about the timing into mm. the box. And mm. I remember just looking at the detail that you were sharing with them and I was like, wow, this is incredible, especially for me as a midfielder. Probably should have followed you more than him. I got, sent off, <laughs> got <laughs> sent off a lot, but like you put detail into absolutely everything, didn't yeah. you? Like your standards and was that goal scoring something that you've worked on a lot? Yeah, well, I worked on. I, I'm just. I, I was always like a practical man. I learned it from people like Wright because we would do finishes from all sorts of yeah. angles and at all sorts of speeds, proper speed. Yeah. So I would always look at where am I going to have my shots from? They're either going to be arriving onto something, which will be one or two touches in the box, or it's going to be me shifting it outside the box and hitting it. And I would just do that again and again and again and then you layer it up with like when the wingers got it you wait you run off the back of someone diagonal runs all those yeah. things you know I think a lot of top players it's an, it's an intelligence I think it's quite simple personally maybe that was one of my talents being able to clock the right time to run rather I'm, ne I'm never going to beat five players really I can clock the right time to run and maybe be fitter than you it's hard so. to coach that Frank and I, no, that, yeah. I think it's a lot of that's yeah. instinct when, yeah. when to make those runs I know mm. you did a brilliant shot outside the box but also getting the end of stuff and again you're talking about other players scores he had it Gerard. And a lot of people actually do have the good movement, but when they do get in there, they panic and they mm. can't finish. Mm. But that's uh, very hard to coach that. Yeah, the timing yeah, definitely. Time. So that's many times now, balls yeah. go across and I'm yeah. like, where are they? Mm. Yeah. Like, so I, d I do think it's a real, a real art. I think you've got to be really hungry as well. I, I was really hungry for goals. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, I remember I used to work with players, midfielders, you talk about getting the box and they would, players would turn around and say to me, well, and uh, you'd, you'd mention you and Gerard and Scholes and all these boys, and they would turn around and go, but I've made three runs. You go, yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes they've made 20 runs, yeah. but you only see the end of one, maybe. Yeah. You know, you've know, got to keep getting in there and be brave enough to not get there and be brave enough to miss. But players make three or four under think, I've done, no, 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 keep getting in there. Be He's brave enough to get in. With you, even like, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Honestly. <laughs> you, you'd be watching a game, Chelsea, they'd be like two or three and up, the game's finished and everyone's just walking around. But if he hadn't scored, he'd, he'd always get one in the last minute. <laughs> keep going. I got that jammy bastard scored again. And his other favourite was, if he hadn't scored, getting loads of shots in and yeah. saying sorry before anyone's even yeah. had a go at him. I know, I know. I know. Yeah. And, then, and he gets it again, he goes again. <laughs> I didn't realise you were standing me. So yeah. no. <laughs> was a bonus as your contract for scoring goals? No, 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 no really, I was no. just well paid at that point. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no bonus stuff, yeah. And last question, which player have you coached that reminds you of yourself the most? Uh, um, like I used to get asked this about Mason Mount. It was, yeah. just, it was just an easy question, do you know what I mean? And I, I didn't really, I didn't really see it. If I'm honest, I think we, we had different attributes. We played in a similar area of the yeah. pitch, obviously. And he sort of ran forward, but he's not got the finishing. He probably no. And he, you know, what just talk to us about him and his move tonight. Talk to us about what you see in him as a player, because obviously <laughs> you believed in him enormously yeah. and got great things out of him. He's obviously struggled in his first bit yeah. at United. Just talk to us about him, can you, a little bit? Yeah, I mean, a bit of injuries as well, to yeah. be fair, yeah. and a team that's stru yeah, struggling yeah. and a big negativity yeah. in certain ways. But um, from my point of view, because I, I took him to Derby, he, yeah. he, he changed everything for me there, really. Him and Tamori and Wilson, a young bit. Mason particularly, his level in training um, was, was high, high level. Um, pressing, brilliant. Off the ball stuff, brilliant. Uh, if you want to give him information, takes it like that. Yeah. We'll jump, we'll recover, we'll jump, we'll recover. 
uh, a great lad, uh, good technically, very good technically. So I think he he was really, I think he's really high level in loads of those areas and a, and a proper lad that you can, as I say, you can give him anything. So I think probably he's probably suffered from a change into a, a bad... His mentality, I look at him, he looks quite a sort of a, a, a... I'm trying to say this in the right way, which doesn't sort of, if you like, impact negatively upon him, but he looks like a nice, a nice mentality. Has he got that real yeah. fierce mentality? No, no, he has. He has. He's very driven. Like if you... Um, if you drop him, the face goes. Right, okay. I mean, straight away, he's one of those. And, and not in a bad way. He's like, no, I want to, sh I want to show yeah. you. He absolutely will want to show. He's very determined like that. Don't, I wouldn't be sort of like kidded by it, as you say. I see what looks, you mean yeah. about the look of him, but he, he definitely is a determined lad. Uh, I'm not just saying it because he's my lad a bit and I've had you know, a relationship on the pitch in terms of managing him, but I do think he'll come good because of that and because of his talent. Yeah. And once the team gets more structured, because I, I do think it's important for a structure of your team to say that you're, you're an aggressive eight or you're in a 10. And when, the only worry I had it when he went to Man United was where does Bruno Fernandes and him fit? And then you go, and then you've got Casemiro. I know it's starting to develop already and change probably away from yeah. that as an idea, but you kind of go, where do you fit? And I think when you are, and this is not, not to dig Mason or to dig Man United actually for bringing him in, but you've got, I think, a player of that level for that level of money, you've got to go, this is the plan. Yes. That's what I'd want to hear. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And my question would be, where does it, where does we fit? He's almost got to play centre midfielder. Fernandez playing, he's not a centre midfielder. Which, which, he's more of a four-three-three man, isn't he? Yeah. Is, yeah. is he basically the position that you played in that sort of eight? You know, basically yeah, one sitter and then one of the two in front. I would yeah. say he's probably slightly more advanced than me in general play. Yeah. I like to arrive from deeper and probably drop down and play a bit more than arrive yeah. from deeper. I think he's higher. Where, where in Tuchel's team that won the Champions League, he's a ten. Highest sort of ten on the side, two tens and a nine, yeah. and I think he could do that probably better than yeah. I could in a way. I like to come from deeper, so a bit a bit higher up. Could play as a single ten as well, but again, it's, you're going into the captain of the football club, Bruno Fernandes is playing there, who hardly gets injured as far as I see it. Yeah. Uh, so I think that would be a difficult one that is a, is a conundrum to, to solve as a team to get him, you know, into the into the team in his best. Position. But that's one of his challenges, isn't it? If you're good enough, you've got to find a way, and we can make yeah. excuses. Then again, the injuries have held him back, no doubt, and he's gone into a difficult. Mm. I think time at United, but if he's got that belief and that personality, yeah, but it's like up to Frank, you. You got to find yeah, your way into that team. Yeah, but Roy, like like Frank said, it's the structure. If he's got the right structure and you can fit him in that, and that's all. That's what we we're saying about United earlier. You got to get the team first. Yeah, get the structure right. Then you could put someone like him in. You are getting the team first. I agree on both points because Mace does have to do. It. I think he will. But I think when you go from. Certainly when I had him at Derby, when I managed him at Chelsea and then Tuchel came in, but they would dominate a lot of games. My team, but I'd have him jumping, we'd be quite high up the pitch a lot. Yeah. I do think Man United do a lot of their best work when they're counter-attacking. Yeah. They turn him teams around and rush them, bang, bang, bang. Maybe Mace has got to get to grips with what that looks like for him. Because all that high-pressing stuff's great if you're in a high-pressing team. They're not a massively high-pressing no, team. Yeah. All these sort of stuff in tight areas up the pitch, which I think he's good at, and can get better at it, I think, and be more effective in the box, score more goals. I don't think they stay there lows and you kind of go like that. They actually go their best stuff. When, I, when I've coached against United is probably have a lot of a ball, but be, worried, be, be careful of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure that Mace is one that's going to be going, oh yeah, I'll join you, Marcus. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not, yeah. That's not easy for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a different style <laughs> of play as well. What's the best piece of advice you've ever had to finish? Um, well, it'd probably be from my mum and it would be stay humble. Mm. And keep your feet on the ground no matter what. Do you know what I mean? She was always that. And she used to say, rise above it would be her things. So stay humble and, and rise above shit. And I haven't always managed to do that. I don't think any of us do. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes I check myself a little bit. That'd be that. Nice. Brilliant. Frank. Can I ask you one thing? I'm to say this, yeah. Hey, Columbo. Columbo. <laughs> oh, no, he's going to get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you. You must be aware... Uh, 
obviously when when you've managed and you do your interviews and you do that thing where you laugh and then go serious. Yeah, I'll say <laughs> that. I don't want to say that. <laughs> I love it. I used to love it. You've never heard of that? No. Oh, God, you're going to go looking for it now. No. no I, yeah. I do you don't... know what you're doing? Or do you try, or, nah, well, I've, I've tried to stop it now. Trying to stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have. I, my daughter sent it to me ages ago. Like, was it a meme or whatever they call it? Yeah. I don't even really. But now, now, now I've seen it. I can't unsee it. <laughs> but I, I've done a few press conferences where I've gone, you know, you, you do it and then you go, oh, shit, I'm <laughs> you know what I mean? Can't help it. Frank, brilliant. Cheers. Thanks, 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 Thanks so much. Thank you. 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 Thank Frank, go in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Right, James, you go there. Yeah, I want to be in the middle. I'm going to Frank. Anti-Irish, isn't it? I tell you. No. Thanks. Brilliant. Thank, Thank you. you. I want to be next to Frank. No, I want to be next to Frank. <laughs> hey. Right. Three-hour chat about how England won that. And, oh, fucking hell. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, I'm trying to be. Yeah. Oh, if we just stayed at a different hotel, we would have won. Different bus driver. Thanks, everyone.